Imagine this. You've had a horrible day. You know one of those. And then a horrible week. Been there. Then a horrible month. And that's been wearing on you. Maybe even a horrible year. I don't blame you. I mean, it is 2020 at the time this podcast is being recorded, so lots of us are definitely right there with you. Those frustrations and bad moments are swirling around and around in your head. And maybe it starts to touch into something deeper. Something you've put away thinking it'll stay there in a neat little corner. Maybe there's multiple corners where things stay curled up, untouched. Maybe they hurt to think about. Maybe they're confusing, frightening, lonely, frustrating, overwhelming, wonderful, melancholy. Maybe they just got there. Maybe they've been there for more years than you can count. Maybe you've never even showed that part of you anywhere. Maybe it's time to let them out. Hello, everyone. My name is Alicia Bailey, and this is my podcast episode on expressive writing for This Is Fine. I am an undergraduate student in my fourth year at Mount Allison University in Sackville, New Brunswick, and today I'll be talking about using writing to cope with stress, trauma, and build resilience. This is actually a subject that means a lot to me. Sure, to be frank, there was a list of topics and I had to pick one for this class. Expressive writing stuck out to me, though, because of a personal experience. Well, multiple personal experiences, really. When I was 13, I fell off a pull-up bar in my backyard. I like to hang on it upside down for my knees. I don't know why. Usually there was no problems, but one day I just slipped off. I don't really remember how I fell, but I remember screaming really loud because it hurt. I landed on my shoulder, but my head snapped back and hit the pavement behind me and left a large lump. I didn't go to the hospital because my mom's a physician, and she thought whatever symptoms I had were mild enough to manage at home, and I trust her on that. A few days later, I started a journal to write about my summer, and I wrote about the concussion. I also delved into a lot more complex topics than I had before in previous childhood journals. I quickly strayed from documentation and nonsense and dove into paragraphs. I got in touch with the emotions I was feeling in the aftereffect of the injury and just the angst of being a teenager. I believe my writing did help me cope through that period of time, and looking back, some of it is still actually quite profound considering my age. I don't write every day now, but it definitely comes in handy when I need it. It was a place, and it still is a place, I can go and explore my thoughts, deeper emotions, feelings about myself, my family, friends, and mental space. Writing and the occasional doodle became a place to be open and explore those deeper events. To this day, I still write expressively when I feel overwhelmed and something weighs on my mind. So what is expressive writing? What does it have to do with resilience? How can this expressive writing make life less ugh sometimes? Expressive writing is usually used and studied in therapeutic contexts, but really, you can do it anywhere. It's pretty easy. It also has significant health benefits in the long run. I'm talking less visits to the doctor kind of benefits. But keep listening, and I'll tell you about that later. First, the basics. Writers are encouraged to write about experiences without worrying about proper structure, flow, or storytelling. I'm talking about unregulated writing. No one's marking these papers. It's all about getting started with a flow and getting whatever comes out of the mind onto the paper. A simple procedure. A social psychologist named Dr. James Pennebaker pioneered the official research of expressive writing. The first article was published all the way back in 1981, so give or take 40 years ago. In Pennebaker's studies, he divided his participants into two groups. One group wrote about an upsetting experience and were told to explore their feelings in as much detail as possible. They did this for about 15 minutes a day for three to five days. 
The other group wrote about the same amount of time, but they were just told to write about a superficial topic, like your time management schedule last week. Guess which topics had the long-term benefits? Ding, ding, ding. Writing about emotional experiences. At its best, expressive writing is simply the exploration of deep, emotional, and significant moments we have in our lives through writing. Does that remind anyone of teenage diaries full of angst, hurt feelings, and embarrassing thoughts? Well, that's pretty much it. Nothing is off the table when the pen hits the page. Although the original research focused specifically on writing about traumatizing experiences, the research has since expanded to focus on other things. In research studies, or if you were sitting down with a therapist, teacher, or in some other professional context, you might get a prompt like, I am thankful for all the experiences of my life. However, what shaped who I am today was dot dot dot, and it's up to you to fill the rest. How about one prompt with a little more drama? That day will live in my memory forever because it was the day I realized I only have one life to live, and I must dot dot dot. Or you might be asked to write on a specific topic, maybe if a counselor or therapist wants you to practice opening up about a topic, like your family, childhood, recent lost job, or I could go on. That's a matter between you and your health professional, if that's your homework. For the most part, though, expressive writing is unprompted, and it's about digging out the most significant things you can bring up. Something begging to be unearthed on paper, or the notes app on your phone. Sounds intense, right? Maybe you're already filling in the blanks of the prompt examples with one of your experiences. Maybe you're scoffing at this whole concept. That's just silly. Why would I treat something as mundane as my life as if it's the beginning of a movie or some great fictional narrative? Other people have better stories to tell. Well, sure, maybe, but these stories are important to you. The spirit of expressive writing isn't about the most compelling narrative ready to become the next best-selling biography. Far from it. This is for you and only you. Expressive writing is expression and all the baggage that comes with it. We've all had different experiences when it comes to expressing ourselves. For some, it was encouraged. Others, tamped down and punished. Sometimes, certain types of expressions are less acceptable than others. Negative experiences are the kind we carry with us the most heavily because most of the time, those are the things we are told are meant to be kept to ourselves. To some degree, that rings true. Maybe at a baby shower we shouldn't talk unprompted about how the family dog was ran over last week. We're taught these restrictions as we grow up in order to maintain social ties. So most of us do a very good job of buttoning up and banishing the things that hurt us most deeply and instead complain about the traffic. Since everyone can relate to slow traffic, right? Often, when expressive writing is prompted, people will write about things we don't vent about to a casual coworker pal. This isn't burnt morning coffee. It's what we carry with us whether we are fully aware of it or not. Or maybe it is about burnt morning coffee. Anything innocuous to one person can strike into the very core of someone else. One thing is for sure, though, we aren't always able to talk about it openly. Take a moment to breathe. Breathe in. Big breath out. Relax your shoulders. Rub your temples. Crack your knuckles. Oh, sorry, that's a me thing and a terrible habit. Don't crack your knuckles. We'll get back to creative writing in a moment. All this sounds stressful, doesn't it? Let's talk about stress. What is it? First of all, there's stress and there's stressors. Stress is a brain and body reaction to what we interpret as threats. Whether we want our senses to see it that way or not is not usually in our control. The thing about it is that you can feel stress. 
Thoughts race, palms get sweaty, that gross chilly hot feeling up the spine, heart pounding, dry mouth. There are things stress does internally too. Digestion stops, immune function alters, long-term functions just sort of kaput for a hot minute until the stressor passes. Stressor, right, that was the other word. A stressor would be what our body and most basic parts of our mind perceive as threats. Back in the day, I'm talking pretty darn close to monkey kind of days back in the day, our stressors as early humans would have been predators. The evolution of stress was useful to pump all your blood, oxygen, and water into all the things you need to either run the heck out of there or tackle this thing head on. It's a survival tactic. A very good one, considering how far we got. Stress activates the fight or flight. We get away or chase off a big, um, let's say tiger, and then we win, go back to our fellow humans, and have a happy time. Stress accomplished its job. Your body goes back into rest mode, internally, mentally, etc. But what about today's days? Stress now crops up when you really can't fight or flight. How many times this week has your body tensed up, mouth went dry, get a cold sweat, and a pounding heart? What did you do about it? Most of us just have to deal with it in a calm and controlled way. But that doesn't complete the neat little cycle we had earlier, does it? Your stress goes from that hot flash to a dull ache and you can feel it everywhere. Think of all the ways your body changes under stress. This is why people can get sick and die from too much long-term stress. You can't fight it, you can't run away, just deal with it. You're simply not done with the stress when you've made the stressor go away. A lot of us have found a way to complete the cycle ourselves without being fully aware that we're doing that. Like, Say you can do better with a tough day after morning yoga, or if you don't get a hug from a significant other after work, you're not quite the same until you can kidnap the cat for a long cuddle. Can you catch my drift? Expressive writing can be one of those outlets, like running, deep breathing, having a good laugh and conversation with friends, a long hug, all things that can complete the stress cycle. And yes, Lots of people have journals, diaries, poetry books, song lyrics, and epic monologues scribbled in the depths of a journal from a bookstore chain that says thoughts in gold calligraphy font on a watercolor gradient cover. But that's beside the point. We want to complete our cycle, so no wonder these activities are commonplace. Regardless, what you're doing by completing the stress cycle is resilience, another fun word that gets thrown around, but that's all it is. Resilience is our ability to use processes, whether it is physical, mental, or emotional, to protect ourselves from the nasty things long-term stress does to the body and reset the cycle. Now, let's talk about something a bit more serious. Some of the feelings, situations, and events I call deeper than surface-level stressors can be very, very stressful. Distressing, even. Like trauma. That's a heavy word. Trauma can show up when we're faced with more stress than we can cope with. I don't know where you are in the world right now, but in America, it is estimated almost 90% of people have experienced trauma in their lifetime. That means in a room full of 10 people, only one has not faced something so overwhelming, nothing they could do can handle what happened fast enough to avoid leaving a scar. That's a lot of people. It might mean you. Men and women alike experience interpersonal violence, natural disasters, severe illness, witnessing acts of violence, losing someone close, and I could go on. Sometimes trauma to an individual does not have to be so big and obvious. Like I said before, it's not about having the biggest and most bold experience to bear. It's about what impacts you and what you carry with you. 
Okay, now that we know what stress and trauma is, what happens after participating in expressive writing? Well, first things first, during and right after expressive writing, you might feel bad. Some people have even cried while writing. When asked about how they feel after their sessions, writers reported negative feelings. Sadness, grief, down moods, likely because the act of writing about such emotions and events will bring it all back up. Now what? Is it all worth it to feel bad again? Well, actually it's very worth it. Expressive writing in the long term has significant health benefits on your body and mind. Remember when I said that? Like I mentioned earlier, fewer visits to the hospital for stress-related reasons, better sleep, even improvements to the liver, lung, immune system, and other organs. Mood is elevated, and generally people report better mental well-being after writing. Symptoms associated with depression reduce, people stop avoiding their problems, self-esteem rises, and so does confidence. This has a domino effect into life functioning, like better performance and attendance at work and school, Social behavior may also change for the better. For one neat example as to how writing tends to impact many aspects of life, here's a quick overview of a study by Arrigo and Smith from pretty recently. There, a group of female university students were recruited to write about body image, and another group wrote about their time management. That would be the superficial topic. The students who wrote about their body image reported in the follow-up they had less body dissatisfaction, and less disordered eating. But that's not all. Their sleep and stress also decreased, even though that was not the topic of their expressive writing. Now, with results like that, there has to be some sort of magic behind these writing assignments. What sort of mechanisms, in theory, might be coming into play to get this effect? The funny thing is, no one actually knows for sure exactly what expressive writing does for such a dramatic response. Because of the unique nature of everyone's writing style, topic, and life experiences, it is difficult to pin down what makes the writing work. Fortunately, there's a few theories we can look at. One of them is the disclosure effect. This has been observed in talk therapy as well. When we can disclose or let out something emotional and waiting that has been bothering us. This is because disclosure lessens the stress of inhibition. Inhibition is when you keep things buttoned up for the sake of others. Or maybe you have no idea how to express it. Or maybe you think you shouldn't tell anyone. Regardless, keeping in emotionally significant events is a long-term, low-level stressor. Our bodies don't like holding it in. It's actually been documented that if the events described by writers had never been disclosed before, writing about it had greater positive effects than something writers had talked about or written about previously. Let's look at it this way. Imagine your stressful events are all kept in a giant balloon. Let's say you've only filled it with more and more air and never let anything out. The strain on the rubber of the balloon is probably intense. Imagine letting out a bunch of that air out all at once. The balloon is significantly less tense. That's the disclosure effect, letting air out of your balloon before it pops. All right, here's another theory, cognitive processing. Now that's a technical type of phrasing, but essentially cognition means the mental process of learning, understanding, and interpreting through our senses and experiences. When we write, we are activating our cognition and sorting through the thoughts, emotions, and other elements bouncing around. Think of this process as a jigsaw puzzle, but without edge pieces. The whole picture is all there in little pieces, but it's hard to know what goes where. You've got emotion pieces, fact pieces, connecting pieces, relation pieces, all sorts. When you write, you might be able to start by matching two pieces together. 
and then another and another, and soon enough you have a good chunk of puzzle to look at. The emotional event has become clearer and we can begin to make sense of our experiences through the process of putting the pieces together. Language and the way we express it is powerful. Okay, okay. So we know now you have to reach deep into your soul and slap on the page our deepest, darkest traumas. But does it have to be that painful? No, actually. More recent applications of expressive writing, especially in school settings, don't ask people to write directly about trauma. They instead give the agency to the individual to write about what they feel needs the most immediate attention. These can be purely positive experiences or intermingled with bad and good events. If anything, the use of both negative and positive statements, wording and narratives in writing is beneficial for making a coherent narrative. Self-discovery, valued aspects of yourself, your goals and self-affirmation are all good things to include as you write and connect your experiences to one another. It also helps to reduce the recycling of negative thoughts about yourself if you focus on moving forward with the writing from a terrible experience, making sense of it, and acknowledging your strength in the weakness. Expressive writing is flexible and incredibly accessible. It doesn't always have to be writing out a whole event from start to finish explicitly. Drawing, poetry, song making, anything self-directed. As long as it is private and connects to you, it is expressive. Expressive writing doesn't require a professional to read your work either. In fact, the whole point is that the power is yours after you've created a thing, whether it be a journal of writing, doodles, or song lyrics. You can do what you want with it. You could throw it away, burn it, keep it, show it to someone. That's all your business. That being said, it's not one size fits all. Anyone can do expressive writing, but not everyone will benefit from writing about an event in a deeply intensive manner. Most of these troubles arise in studies where participants are told directly to write about a specific topic. For example, sometimes people who have suffered from very recent traumas will not benefit from writing immediately about that trauma. Similar to grief counseling too soon after a loss, we need time to care for ourselves and regulate the initial flow of emotions before facing it again. How you write is also important. For example, writing in third person maintains self-distancing. It has been tested as a method for writers with depression to avoid ruminating in their negative internal dialogue about themselves and instead focus on problem solving. That did not help in decreasing the depressive symptoms in the writers. If anything, it only removed the potential for the writers to connect to positive, self-affirming statements. Essentially, express yourself in your writing or drawing in a way that feels right and you'll be in the right ballpark. So, really, anyone can benefit from expressive writing, but more specifically, anyone under a lot of stress. That stress can look like financial duress, low social support, high-stress jobs like nursing and teaching, being a working parent, a single parent, just experienced a trauma or experienced trauma in your past. You may be a teenager, hitting middle age, or maybe you're older. Regardless of where you are in life, if something is affecting you and you feel you can't talk about it, try opening up that notebook you haven't used yet, or the notes app on your phone, or a stray sticky note. Maybe we can dust off those things in the corner that are hard to look at. Let them out on the page like the air in a balloon or sliding pieces into a puzzle. Then it can be put away again. And maybe, just maybe, we can stand a little taller and feel a little better. Thank you for listening. 
This is Fine, a podcast about stress, burnout, and resilience, was created by students at Mount Allison University. The students created each episode as part of a fourth-year psychology class called Stress, Burnout, and Resilience, taught by me, Dr. Lisa Don Hamilton. There's a link in the show notes to access the full script with references. You can also go to mta.ca slash psychology and click on the This Is Fine podcast link. Episodes were recorded at the CHMA studios in Sackville, New Brunswick, or over the internet when that wasn't possible. Script assistance, podcast basics, and training were provided by Matt Tunnicliffe. Music and audio production by Jeremy Dahl at palebluedotstudios. Thanks for listening and for supporting these students' foray into the world of podcasting.